Welcome to the Woodridge Baptist Church Podcast. For more information about what's happening in the life of our church, visit our website at www.woodridge.org. Enjoy the podcast. As I was thinking about coming into uh, what we're talking about this week, uh, just wanted to share a few kind of experiences that I've had over the years uh, working with compassion, but honestly, just, just going out around the world. Uh, there was a time I, I went on a compassion trip and we went down into the Dominican Republic. Uh, basically, it was in the Santa Domingo area uh, and there was a project. And when you think of a project, you understand compassion works with the local church. And in those projects, the kids get to come off of the streets. They get fed. Uh, doctors will actually come and take care of them. You know, prenatal care for women that are pregnant and they have nowhere to go. They can go into these centers and they can get help. Uh, even after the child is born, you know, they meet with the mother. They help with the, the, the care of the baby. I, I remember walking in, uh, in this one clinic in, in Santa Domingo and uh, kind of out in the sticks, you know, and, or just right outside of Santa Domingo. It's kind of out in the sticks and you go in and you're just watching these people that are devoting their time to the well-being of these families. And I have to tell you, I was just completely overwhelmed by, by what I saw. I mean, what it is that we live on the day in and day out. Uh, and then you go and you experience that. It's, it's kind of an eye-opener. You know, sometimes we just forget that a lot of the world is really struggling. Some of the kids, you know, you just see these kids and you can't help but think, and I'll adopt you and I'll adopt you and I'll adopt you. And then I thought, well, actually, I got four of my own I'm paying for, <laughs> you know. So you kind of you feel that pull, you know what I'm saying? You feel that pull when you're there. There was one time in, in Haiti, and I, I remember this little girl, she couldn't have been this big. I mean, she was tiny, tiny, tiny. Uh, and everywhere I went, that little girl would just kind of, she would kind of come and, and just get a hold of my leg. And when I walked, she just kind of walked with my leg where, wherever I went. And I remember sitting down with her. Uh, you know, we were feeding. We had paid some of the Haitian women to come and to, to make food and red beans and rice because, you know, and it's good. And I've got this two-year-old little girl and I'm just kind of sitting there and she's sitting in my lap and I've kind of got my arms around her and she's sitting there eating. And I remember talking with some of the families as our time was coming to an end and, and I'm, I'm leaving and I remember talking with some of the families and the first thing that I thought was, if I could put that little girl in my suitcase and bring her home, I would do that right now. <laughs> I mean, I would do that right now. Uh, because as it came to the end of the week, the, the bus was pulling up, uh, they knew that, that we were gonna be leaving and she came up and she grabbed my leg and she called me daddy. And I lost it. I lost it. There are those moments that the Lord gives you where your realm of experience expands a little bit. Do you understand what I'm saying? We get used to what we're doing in a day in and day out, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with the jobs that you have. That's good. That's good. There's nothing wrong with caring for your family. You should. That's one of the ways that we honor the Lord. But you know, one of the ways that we also honor the Lord is by caring for the poor, the needy, the widowed, and the orphaned. That's one of the ways. James talks about that in James chapter one and there are other places as well. Something I want you just to be aware of is just globally, just some, some information. More than 736 million people worldwide live below the poverty line, 736 million. And by the way, you may be wondering what's the poverty line and the answer is, is earning slightly under two US dollars a day. That would be the poverty line. 
The poverty threshold for a family of four in the United States is an income of just over $26,000 a year. Now, in the last uh, couple of years, we've dealt with the COVID crisis, and poverty rose globally in 2020 and 2021 by 150 million people. The first increase, by the way, of the global poverty rate in over 20 years. We had really seen a lot of progress, and that's something to be thankful for, right? And then COVID hits, and it was a game changer. Uh, the the COVID-19 pandemic is expected to set back poverty reduction progress in 70 developing countries by anywhere from three to 10 years. They're going to lose that progress. Child poverty. Child poverty accounts for half of the world's poor with one out of five children experiencing extreme poverty. In the United States, just so you know, that ratio is actually very close. It's very similar to what's actually true on a worldwide scale. Roughly 84% of people experiencing extreme poverty live in, live in sub-Saharan Africa and South Asia. Worldwide, the poverty rate is three times higher in rural areas than in urban cities. There's work to do, isn't there? One out of every 27 children will die before reaching the age of five. And the reason that they're going to die is mostly from malnutrition and other things that are absolutely preventable. More than half of all child deaths occur in just five developing nations, more than half. Nigeria, India, Pakistan, uh, the Congo, and Ethiopia. And approximately 264 million children and youths around the world are not even attending school. Is it fair to say that we take a lot for granted? Is that fair? I mean, we're incredibly blessed, but we do have to remember this challenge that we're blessed to be a blessing. We just are. UNESCO, by the way, estimates global poverty could be cut by 55% if all children completed secondary education. It's not just about food, it's about opportunities as well. More than 785 million people globally do not have access to basic water services. That includes something as simple as a well. And one fourth of the world's total population do not have basic sanitation like a toilet in their home. In fact, one of the girls that I met with on one of the trips that I took with Compassion, she had had a child. And she had had a child because she had been sexually assaulted. Now, I went into her home. If I remember right, she was 15 years old. And I went into her home. And uh, as we were going through the home, and you need to understand, it's basically like two by fours put into the ground with sheet metal nailed to it, right? With a curtain. That's the front door. And as I was going into the home and we were kind of walking through, I was, I was a guest and I'd brought some food. I was with compassion. Um, and as we were walking through the home, she was kind of telling me the story and I had a translator that was helping me out. And she was telling me the story about how it is that she became pregnant. Now, just so that you can kind of have your mind's eye wrapped around this, it all kind of came, became clear to me because as I went into her home, all the homes were almost like connected to each other. You kind of walk through one place and then you open a curtain, you step in. There might be a little gap, but you were walking actually into another home. And you didn't even, I didn't even know it. I was walking into somebody else's space. But when we got over to where their bathroom is, there was basically kind of a, a, a walled off area. By walled off, I just mean it was like, it was like sheet metal. Um, and there was a curtain, and inside of it, there was a drain, which is where they would take their shower, but literally right here was a toilet. So you had the shower here, and then the toilet was right there. 
And what had happened to her was somebody literally just walking through the house took advantage of the opportunity and that was where she was assaulted. She doesn't know who the father of the child actually is because of that. It's just a different way of living, isn't it? It's something that we're, not, we're certainly not used to. Every day, approximately 810 women die from preventable causes related to pregnancy and childbirth, which is why I was giving her story. She's one that it ends in a good way. And that's because some people came alongside her and helped her out. Around the world, roughly 130 million primary and secondary school-age girls, just so you know, are out of school. And even now, there are still 773 million people in the world today who cannot read, and most of those are women. Now, why do I tell you all of this? I tell you all of this because there's something that I actually believe. I believe that we have a responsibility to respond. I believe that. I believe that God has portioned to us as a part of our obedience because we are recipients of such grace and kindness to make a positive impact in the world because we know an impact is absolutely needed. It is simply unfit for the church to know that there is a need and to not do anything about it. Now, what I would never ask out of anybody is to do something that you're not able to do. I wouldn't ask that out of you. What I would ask out of you is to do what it is that you are able to do to respond in graciousness, to respond in mercy as the Lord has responded to you in graciousness and mercy. A couple of things I want us to keep in mind, and this is kind of the why. Why, why, why do this? And the, the first is because we want to treat the poor with dignity. We want to treat the poor with dignity. I mean, at the end of the day, we're not smarter, we're not more talented, we're not more valuable than people who don't have the resources that we've got. The Bible says, rich and poor have this in common, the Lord is the maker of them all, Proverbs 22, 2. The Lord is the maker of them all. So our worth is obviously not connected to our net worth. Our worth is connected to our identity and who created us. And it doesn't matter where you're at. We want to treat the poor with dignity because just like me, just like you, they are created in the image of God. The second is we want to offer the opportunities that some people without our help otherwise would not have. Aren't you thankful that somebody came alongside you and maybe gave you some opportunities with, that without those connections, frankly, you probably wouldn't be where you are right now. Is that fair? Because I can think of people that came alongside me and said, you're worth investing in. And my life has never been the, cha- this, the same. The Bible says in Galatians 6, 9, it says, do not grow weary in doing good. In fact, just recently this week, in fact, I was talking to pastors at the state convention and I had a totally different topic. But I ended the last five minutes by saying, friends, don't grow weary in doing good because I know that you're weary. But did you know in the next verse in Galatians 6.10, it says, when we have the opportunity to help anyone, we should do it. We should do it. Now, I've talked about this a number of times and we've kept this ministry in front of you. But one of the things that people need is they need somebody to come alongside to say, I'm going to help you and help provide other opportunities so that you can have a step up in the world. And what that means is, is third, we have to share what we have, right? We have to share what we have. And that's how we can be the church. I mean, scripture says in Isaiah 58, 7, share your food with everyone who is hungry, share your home with the poor and the homeless, give clothes to those who are in need, and don't turn away your relatives, especially Thanksgiving week, right? (laughs) Don't do it, but don't turn them away. We want people to start meeting needs when they find them, not just expect someone at the church to handle it. That's what we want. We want to see people 
that are responding from a compassionate heart, just like the heart of Christ when he fed the 5,000. He looked at their situation and it says his guts literally were turning over because of what he saw. It compelled him to move and to do something. And that's what I want for us today, is I want us to be compelled enough to move and to do something. And that means that we have to share what it is that we have. See, as we teach people to help the poor, honestly, you know what we're doing? We're helping them worship God. Proverbs 14.31 says, if you oppress poor people, you insult the God who made them, but kindness shown to the poor is an act of worship. It's an act of worship. Now, uh, I don't want you just to, to take my story for it. I've given you a couple of things here, but one of the reasons I've partnered with Compassion is because of why they exist. Compassion International, their mission is to release children from poverty in Jesus' name. Not just any name, but in Jesus' name. And it's important how they define poverty. Because first and foremost, they define poverty as spiritual poverty. Well, that was all of us. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Well, who's poor in spirit? All of us were beggars. When you came to Jesus, if you didn't come to Jesus as a beggar, you never came to Jesus. We were beggars. We didn't have two coins to rub together spiritually when we came to him. He came to us. And he said, you're not well. You're not well. But he came to us. They try to deal with spiritual poverty first. They work to share the gospel and teach children the Bible. In fact, they have more time of intense discipleship in these compassion projects than we have in most American churches right now. It's just true. They focus on educational poverty. They focus on physical poverty. They focus on emotional poverty, but the spiritual poverty is their focus. Also, all of this work is done through the local church. Remember the story I said when I was going to visit a woman in her home and I had a box of food? When I walked in, I said, this is a gift, but you know who I didn't say it was from? I didn't say it was from Compassion International. I said, this is a box of food that's coming from this church right over here and they would love to see you. Everything is through the local church. So when you sponsor a child, you also empower a church in poverty to disciple and develop the children in that community. And for that reason, within Compassion's ministry, pay attention, every four minutes a child makes a decision for Christ worldwide. Every four minutes. Is that not something to get on board with? It's amazing. And I've seen it for myself. Now, all right. I think I've talked enough. There's actually somebody that I want you to meet this morning. Uh, her name is Kiwi. Isn't that a great name? Are you kidding me? I don't want you to take my word for it. I want you to hear from someone who actually experienced this. And so would you welcome to the stage Kiwi. She grew up in the Philippines. She now lives in the United States. But she was a compassion child. Man, does she have an amazing story. Would you all welcome Kiwi to the stage? Yes. Thank you, Pastor Jeremy. Good morning, church. And I am so excited to be here with you today and to give God all the glory for the things that he has done in my life. He is a good God. Very, very good. You know, I was born and raised in the Philippines to a very poor family. My dad, he's an alcoholic, and each night my parents would fight because he's always drunk. 
There are three brothers ahead of me who died because of lack of medical attention. My third brother, he was supposed to be born cesarean section, but my parents could not afford the medical care necessary. So what they did, they cut my mom open without proper anesthesia. My mom screamed for pain, but my brother didn't survive. But after that, I was born in another sister. And I remember growing up in the Philippines, it was so difficult that me and my sister, we would sometimes beg our parents, Ma, Pa, we could not sleep because we were so hungry. But even my parents would give up the food that they're about to eat each night, which is most of the time, rice and soy sauce or rice and salt, it would still be not sufficient. I remember I would look at my neighbor's window and pretend to watch their television, but I would look at their table and see food and wonder, why do they have food tonight and us not? And I remember vividly when apples were imported from America to the Philippines. I would beg my mama, ma, please, I want to taste this apple, but even a rotten apple my parents could not afford to buy. But you know what? This is not a sad story because we have a good father in heaven. One day, my dad was always drunk, pick up a track. For the young people, a track is a reading material about Jesus. <laughs> in the track, it says to go to a crusade. And my dad went to a crusade, and in that crusade, he heard about Jesus, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him would not perish, but have an everlasting life. And in that crusade, my dad received Jesus as his personal Lord and Savior, and for the very first time, my dad went home sober. And my mom was so surprised and asked him, what's wrong with you? What's up? What happened? <laughs> when everybody said, your, your dad's not going to change. He's going to die an alcoholic. But the word of God says, nothing is impossible with me. So my dad brought us to church. And me and my sister, we would sit in Sunday school. And in Sunday school, the children there, they would sing about Jesus. That Jesus loves the little children. All the children in the world, red, yellow, black, and white, that he cares, that he, he provides. But as a young kid, I could not understand that. Who is this Jesus? If he cares and if he provides, then why do we live this way? But you know what? We have a good, good father in heaven. At the age of seven, I was registered to the Compassion Program. And at the age of seven, somebody from Australia picked up a packet and he started to sponsor me. And the very first thing in his letter, he said, Kiwi, you are pretty and Kiwi Jesus loves you. I have never thought of myself as beautiful or pretty when I was a kid. I thought those words are just for little girls who goes to school with bows in their hair, with nice dress, but it could not be me. But later on, I begin to realize, Lord, is this how you see me? That I'm beautiful and wonderful in your sight. That I'm fearfully and wonderfully made that I am a child of the one true God. So I would go to the Compassion Project in our church and my teacher there, she told me, Kiwi, yeah, this is your situation. You are poor, but this is not your destiny. For in Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, For I know the plans I have for you, saith the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And the following verses, it says, Seek me and you will find me if you seek me with all your heart. 
So I begin to open my Bible. I begin to read the words of God for my life, the promises of God I grasped and I believed in. And in high school, I told my mom, Mama, I want to get out of this situation. I don't want to be poor anymore. I want to be able to go to college. I want to be able to take up something. And my mama said, let's pray because God will provide. God will provide. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. And God did provide. This lady who is standing in front of you right now is a physical therapist working in a hospital in Dallas, Texas. God is so, so good. After my graduation from college, I need to take a very difficult exam. And I was so scared of failure. I was so scared of the unknown. But every time I opened my Bible, God would tell me, Kiwi, is there anything too hard for me? And the answer is nothing, absolutely nothing is too hard for the Lord. All of my promises for you are yes and amen. Out of 1,700 students who took the exam, I landed 10th place. <laughs> and because of that, they gave me a medal. And as I was receiving this medal, I told the Lord, Lord, if only my sponsors were here, I'm going to give this medal to them. Because of them, this is a reality. You know, every year in our church in the Philippines, there is a prayer and fasting. And I usually don't join because I was hungry when I was a kid. <laughs> But that year I joined and I asked that I'm going to be seeing my sponsors and God answered my prayer that, that year. I was able to go to Australia and see my sponsors. I think I have a picture for you. <laughs> and I ran to them <laughs> and hugged them and over and over again, I told them, thank you so much. You didn't just change my life, but my family. And I know one day, my community, my mom became a pastor of a small community church in the Philippines. And three years ago, we opened our own kids' ministry in our own backyard. And we named it To God Be the Glory Kids' Ministry to give him all the glory and praises. You know, 13 years ago, I came to America to work as a physical therapist. And nine years ago, I got married to a wonderful man from Chattanooga, Tennessee. <laughs> I got myself a southern boy. <laughs> and you know, my husband's name is Terry Cook, and he's an executive chef in Dallas, Texas. Imagine I was hungry when I was a kid. Now I'm married to an executive chef. <laughs> so single ladies, just keep on believing. <laughs> And during the wedding, I invited my parents to come to the United States. And you know where I took them after the wedding? I think I have a picture for you. I took my parents to an apple orchard in LJ, Georgia. And my dad, he's picking up apples from the ground. And I said, no, dad, God has blessed us exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever ask or think that we're now able to pick up apples from the tree. God withheld that rotten apple years and years ago because he has something better for us. And at that moment in that apple orchard, we're just celebrating about the goodness, the grace, the compassion and faithfulness of God in our lives. And we believe, I believe that God has blessed us not to just keep it to ourselves. God has blessed us to be a blessing to other people. You know the saying, hurt people hurt people, but blessed people bless people.
I am now a sponsor of four children. Two from the Philippines, because I'm biased. <laughs> One from Haiti and a little boy named Juan from Bolivia. And six years ago, I went back home and saw my sponsored children in the Philippines. And I think I have a picture for you. And I told them, hang in there. Do not give up. And that's a word for you too. Hang in there. Do not give up. If God can do it to me, he can do it to you. And through you, one day, God will give you a chance, an avenue, a platform to tell your friends, to tell your neighbor, to tell an acquaintance, to tell a church that we have a good, good father in heaven. To him be all the glory and honor and praises forever and ever. Thank you so much, church, and God bless you all. Thank you. That's a pretty impressive story, don't you think? So at Woodridge, we've partnered with Compassion to start a new Compassion ministry. Honestly, friends, we've been waiting almost two years because of the pandemic. A couple years ago, we had agreed and, and found a church in the Dominican Republic that we wanted to come alongside and partner and they could not, they basically could not put a compassion project in their church. They couldn't afford it. So we took care of it. We're doing it. We're doing it. So that these kids that can get sponsored, get off the streets and have this kind of story for themselves. That's our hope and our prayer. That's why we're partnering with compassion. And so what we've done is, uh, we have 100 children that are represented in the packets outside. And I asked Compassion, I said, listen, we, we've sponsored kids around the world, but I, I want us to focus like a rifle on this one. Because we're opening up this, this project in the Dominican Republic. I want us to focus on children that are gonna be in the area of the project that we're starting. And the reason that I want us to do that, because we'll do more in the future, don't, don't worry. But the reason that I wanted to focus there is because one, it gives these kids a chance, but number two, we get the chance to get on a plane, go to the Dominican Republic and go to the church that we are, we are funding to see the kids that we are sponsoring and to love on them. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that awesome? So I'm keeping this in front of you because in a second, there are a couple of things that we're gonna celebrate. We're going we're to end our service with praise because we believe Jesus deserves it. Amen. He deserves it. But right outside the door, compassion is right over here. We're going to be celebrating baptisms this morning. Isn't that great? I do it every Sunday. Put water in the tank, let's go. We're going to be baptizing people and we're going to be sponsoring some kids. Our goal before this weekend was up from Friday to today we want 100 kids sponsored. And so I'm gonna encourage you, after we dismiss, to go and celebrate the baptisms and see the great things the Lord has done. And then to go over there and get one of these. And all you have to do, my friends, is to fill out the front and the back. All of the kids that are there, you'll see their pictures, are kids that you would have the opportunity to go to the Dominican Republic and to see for yourself what it is that you're doing and the impact that you're making 
I'm leaving this up to you. This is between you and the Lord. But we want to make an impact, don't we? And you already have. We just want to do more. So I don't know what it is that the Lord has laid on your heart today. But can I encourage you to remember the challenge that's been in front of you. And don't delay in response. We've been blessed to be a blessing. And so I want to end our time today with a a time of prayer. You know, Kiwi's story is a pretty amazing story, right? That's pretty impressive. And it is a testimony to the grace and the goodness of God. Did you notice something that I pointed out before, though, is that all, whether rich or poor, are made by the same Lord. Did you catch that? All. And what that means is, both rich and poor, and middle class, of course, what that also means is that we have a common need. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. We all have a common need. I know rich people whose lives are incredibly broken. I know middle class people whose lives are incredibly broken. And I know people that are poor whose lives are incredibly broken. One of the things that we can agree is that is common to our experience is that we're all sinners in need of God's grace and forgiveness. Am I right? We all need it. It's nothing that you could earn. It is something that he is offering you today. I said yes when I was 11 years old. I said, I'll take it. Because I knew who I was without Christ and I knew that I needed him. And I've never been the same since. I haven't been perfect since. Y'all don't have to agree with me on that. I've been perfect since, but I've never been the same. And it's because I came to the Lord with an overwhelming sense of thankfulness that he would come after me. No, that he would. I didn't deserve it. I was overwhelmed with the sense, I don't deserve this. I don't. Because when I really came to understand who Christ was, I got a real true view of who I was without him. And so I'm thankful for him today. And I want you to have the same story. All who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. We hope you have enjoyed the podcast. For more information about our church, visit www.woodridge.org.